You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Set for Heineke on third down. Four-man rush. Heineke hit as he throws. It is ripped away by Devondre Campbell. And he's got plenty of green grass in front of him. Devondre Campbell picks six Green Bay. Back to the pick. Yeah, everybody's covered. There's J.D. McKissick. There's Devondre Campbell. Watch him play this. It, it's going to be a little in and out. You're going to press inside like you're crossing. Bounce out. Reads it well. Eyes on the quarterback. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. Not just J.D. McKissick. Everybody was covered up in play. We talked about... All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text the show at 865-658-5824. We're live on YouTube and Twitter. I'm joined tonight with my good buddy here, uh, Jacob, from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast. Jacob, dude, what's going on today? Nothing much, man. Had a little half work day and uh, just excited to talk some Packers football like we do on most Sundays. Heck yeah, dude. Same here, man. Same here. So uh, we're coming down a stretch here, getting closer to training camp. And it's funny, man, because when that podcast dropped that me and Dusty broke down last night, uh, you know, called the play the play call. I always want to say the playmakers. You remember that show on ESPN back in the day? Yeah. I don't know if you ever watched that. Um, the play callers. You know, that thing has given us so much material to talk about. And it really it kind of rejuvenated me to jump back into the X's and O's, the uh um, you know, the Bobby Peters book from 2020 where he broke down the complete Green Bay Packers offense, making my second pass through it, listening to every bit of podcast I can get a hold of to just learn a little bit more about this offense, a little more about this defense and get ready for the upcoming season. And uh, it's flying by for me. I've, I'm hearing some people say, man, it's dragging along. But for me, dude, it's I mean, it is soaring right now, dude, for sure. Um, all right. So we actually got a caller on the line already. Let's go to Malcolm down in texas malcolm can you hear us buddy yeah can y'all hear me yeah we got you man how you doing What's going on, malcolm i'm good man i uh i didn't even know what to do i just clicked on the link or i didn't know if i was supposed to do it already yeah i'm just making <laughs> oh you're good to go man you're hey, i couldn't wait on YouTube and Twitter, baby we're ready to roll yeah you got anything you want to chat about right off the top of your uh off the top of your head there oh uh, yeah uh i guess i had a question right off the rip uh, I just been kind of having this conversation with some of the guys uh, that I work with that are Packers fans, and uh, we just talk about like pretty much some of the only ways that not the only ways, but where we see the team failing, the ways we have a failing season this season. And I kind of came up with like I feel like the only way we have a failing season is uh, which I would say a failing season is less than six wins. I feel like that's a failing season, but uh. I said the only way we get that low is if the leadership and the attitude of the players is not there because 
Uh, we have a lot of talent, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, which obviously needs to step up. Uh, so I just wanted to get y'all take on that. Like, what uh, what are some ways that this team fails this season or fails in your eyes as a fan, I guess? Yeah, I, I think you hit the number right on the head, Malcolm. You know, six wins, anything less than six wins, I would I would consider it a, a serious step backwards. Anything more than six wins, I would go, all right, we're pointing in the right direction. Um, you know, when I look at the schedule, I see somewhere between six and ten. If we hit that eight, nine mark, I'm going, all right, dude, we're off and running. We're going to be able to patch this thing together over the next few years. But as far as what could cause us to have a bad year, um, I think I told Jacob this a few episodes ago, and you may have heard it, I'm not sure, but I said the worst-case scenario for this season would be, you know, Jordan Love, God forbid, going down with an injury and us not knowing what we have with Jordan Love because now it's another mm-hmm. year that we have to kind of wait and see, okay, is it going to click for him, right? So that's one thing that kind of sticks out to me. But as far as leadership and attitude, you know, Aaron Rodgers was the leader of that team last year and has been for so long, but he led a little bit different, right? He, he wasn't mm-hmm. the – the big rah-rah guy, the way that they said he connected with people in the locker room in the past was, you know, he would he would find some kind of mutual connection there and and make sure he's talking to even the lowest on the roster, you know, as far as people that are on the bubble, which is kind of makes sense as to why he, he really vouched for your, you know, your uh, Jake Kumaros and people like that, right, and wanting them on the roster. Mm-hmm, yeah. But, um, as far as that goes, though, leadership-wise, I think they've already hit a home run with Jordan Love. Like it's obvious mm-hmm. his teammates absolutely love him, right? And his yes. leadership is going to be totally different from Aaron's. You know, Aaron did it kind of with this lead by example in a sense of I'm going to be the smartest guy in the room. Obviously, he's got all the pelts on the wall. He's won a Super Bowl. He's won multiple MVPs. He's you you keep hearing people talk about him being arguably the the you know best thrower of the football in the history mm-hmm. of the game. So that right there kind of already gives a little bit of credibility to anyone in the locker room. They, I guarantee you when 12 talked, everybody shut up and listen, right? With Jordan right. Love, he can't go in there the same way that Aaron does because he doesn't have the pelts on the wall. But what he's done is over the last three years, he's put in the work in the offseason, and that really mm-hmm. wins your teammates over. So as far as leadership and attitude, if, if it's going to come down to leadership and attitude on whether or not this team succeeds or not, you know, barring any crazy injury situation – I would say we're sitting sitting pretty good. How do you feel about it, Jake? Yeah, man. I mean that that is my base. My biggest fear would be yeah, an, uh, an injury to love specifically early in the season, like you said, so that we don't have a gauge. Again, we go around this carousel of what is he, what is he not. Um, it's funny that you brought that up because I actually did print off. We obviously know that we drafted uh, Clifford, and what was it? The fifth? Was it the fifth round? Yeah, I believe it was the fifth. Oh, yeah. So fifth Sean round. Clifford in the fifth. That's just as I sat here and thought about this the last couple of days, if love were to God forbid, have like an early season, uh, early season injury that really does almost throw the season as it sits right now, it kind of throws it in the garbage. And so I was starting to wonder like, why don't we maybe pick up the phone, call a Matt Ryan and Andy Dalton, <laughs> and Nick Foles, uh, Joe Flacco for Christ's sake. I don't know. Let's uh, but that being said, I mean, I look back and then I looked at Danny Etling, who in theory would move up probably from a practice squad position to our second. I mean, I don't know if, if, if the Packers GM would actually, the front office would actually consider starting Sean Clifford. If love goes down, if they're that mm-hmm. confident in them, I guess that's a great thing that they have that confidence. Danny Etling. I remember Andy Herman did a, a podcast recently about how, 
he was actually surprised when he looked back at Danny Etling's performance in the preseason and the limited time that he does have. And I, <clears throat> I picked up some of those numbers. He had like a 70, where was it? Yeah. in one of the games, his best game against new Orleans preseason, I believe it was the game number uh, week two of preseason. He had a 78.8 offensive grade. I believe mm-hmm. he had like a 71.1. Yeah. 71.1 grade officially for 2022, which, you know, it's limited, limited, limited snaps, but um, I guess Clayton, what would your thought be if Love goes down? Do you see them going with Sean Clifford, a fifth-round pick, or maybe even trying to get a guy like Danny Etling, who's I, I think Andy Herman highlighted he's like 28, about to be 29 years old. He did run a four-seven-six forty though, so he's right there in the ballpark, guys. So he's basically he's the guy. I don't know. What do you think, Clayton? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I don't know if Danny Etling is practice squad eligible anymore. I think he is the way the rules changed, but the way I see the backup quarterback position, tell me the last time a starting quarterback went down and the, and the team went on to win the Super Bowl. Nick Foles. Uh, yeah, Nick Foles. So it would have been Nick Foles who, like we all talked about was a starting caliber quarterback, right? So they essentially had two starting quarterbacks. Um, of course, Carson Wentz, man, what a roller coaster that whole That's career crazy. was. That's just uh, name another one. So we got Nick Foles. Think of another. Uh, it's tough, right? You know, yeah. um, name name a team that went to the playoffs with a backup quarterback taking over. You know, who comes to mind? You know, so the reason I say that this is how my mind operates, and I'm not saying I'm right. Um, this is just kind of how how I process it. But to me, the backup quarterback has evolved over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. The backup mm. quarterback now is the personal assistant to the starting quarterback. That's the way I see it. They they literally they're put there's been so many times that I've heard Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, other quarterbacks on the sideline mic'd up, where they'll go to the backup and go, Hey, watch this guy for me all all, all day long. Watch, watch that safety, see what he's doing. And when he come to the sideline, he would have that inside information of going, hey, look, I'm watching him. He's actually spinning down. He's doing this. He's at the eight-second mark, especially with Peyton Manning. Uh, the way Belichick played him was he would wait to a certain uh, a certain tick on the play clock, and then they would move into their pre-snap movement. That way Peyton had no more time to change the play. Well, he had people on the sideline going, hey, at what second are they moving down? Right. There's a lot of things a backup quarterback does for the starting quarterback. It's the reason Aaron Rodgers kind of threw a hissy fit when I believe it was Tim Boyles left. Right. When they let Tim Boyles walk is because you get used to a backup quarterback. Jacob, you remember when Favre was here, Doug Peterson. Right. Ironically, the guy who won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, Doug Peterson was the backup quarterback. Hey, Doug Peterson couldn't hit a bull in the butt with a mop, bro. That dude, he was a horrible quarterback, but he was Favre's right-hand man. He he was Favre's personal assistant. So when you talk about the backup quarterback position, if you bring in a quarterback, say say like a Matt Ryan, if you were to do that, okay, you're going to have to pay him a little more than you would the backup position. You're going to lose those four years on, uh, on our boy uh, Sean Clifford's contract because if you cut him or put him on the practice squad, to the best of my knowledge, it voids that rookie contract. Yep. And now you're kind of on a year-to-year basis or a two-year basis, depending on if you sign him to a futures deal. Um, so that's going to throw that contract out the window. When it comes to Danny Etling, Danny Etling, in my opinion, would be a more qualified backup for Jordan Love. So now what you've got to weigh out is what's more important. 
that rookie contract with Sean Clifford. I mean, a fifth round pick, guys. That's that's not like saying, hey, let's take a flyer on him. In my opinion, if he took him in the seventh, I'd go, hey, he, he might be on the roster bubble. But when was the last time we cut a fifth round pick? You know, it's been a uh, for first year anyway. So to answer your question, Jacob, the way I look at the the backup quarterback position is, if starting quarterback goes down, we're screwed anyway. It's that simple. <laughs> yeah. So um, now, what do you, what? How can you how can you maximize the backup quarterback position? Well, you've got a Sean Clifford that you obviously seen something in. Let's get him some experience. Let's let him become a pro at being that personal assistant to Jordan Love because it's a rebuilding year anyway, right? Um, so that's kind of how I look at it. I don't I don't look at the backup quarterback as this this big, you know, important position. But I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. That's how it's always been. Who was the most prominent backup quarterback we've ever signed? You know, in Green Bay. Think about that. Like signed. It's, what'd you say? You said signed or like drafted. Yeah, uh, like, no, yeah like, like this situation. Oh, right here. Yeah, like this situation right here. Gosh, think man, of, think of the history. Oh, yeah. Brett Favre. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's the first <laughs> thing that comes to mind for me. They traded for him, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And, and I don't mean – I'm not trying to, to shoo the topic. It's a valid question. It's one that many people are talking about right now. It's just the kind of the way I look at it is, you know what, let's roll with the young guy. Let's let Sean Clifford be the backup. And what I was getting at is if Danny Etling has practice squad um, – Eligibility. Uh, eligibility left, then what you can do with Danny Etling is he's still in the quarterback room. He's right. still on staff. He can still play that backup quarterback role other than okay. on game day, right? Okay, so that being said, now we have all that information. What do you do now? Do you play Love, and how much do you play him in preseason? Oh, Love? Mm, that's a good Dude, I'm, I'm old school. You go ahead, Malcolm. You answer it, bro. Uh, I think you have to play Love. I think uh, – you got to get them acclimated with these new receivers on the team. Uh, you might not play them three quarters. So, I believe he played three quarters in the first two preseason games uh, right. the past two seasons. Would you do uh, like a but I, quarter one, half, and then three quarter? Or no, would you do maybe like a first quarter, a whole half, and then maybe a first quarter kind of thing since there's only three games now? Uh, I could see something like that. And I, I think if they're rolling, I would say you play them – uh, maybe one drive like you probably would have did to Aaron Rodgers in the last game just to, right. you know, make sure everything is up and running uh, correct. But because I think our uh, – we had two home games in uh, the preseason. preseason, right? I think right? that's correct. I believe that's correct. Uh, and they, so I, I think you don't have to pretty much install your game one – your regular season game one game plan if like we're at home and everything is up and running ru running smooth with the receivers and things of that nature so i think yeah maybe like a quarter half and then like maybe a drive or two in the right. last game yep yeah we got tim in green bay uh in the house tim what do you think about preseason man would you uh would you how much would you play love in the preseason man you know this is a question that's uh <laughs> been on my mind a lot and i don't know i don't know <laughs> i've alluded to this on previous pods with you guys like i'm glad i'm not in that quarterback room with that staff having to make these decisions because you know everything you guys just discussed is so true and there's so many factors that go into this because we want to avoid that you know i don't even want to i'm not even going to say it <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to say the, the say what I should should say. We want to avoid the the, the crazy um, <laughs> occurrence of some kind of 
thing that could put you on a list that rhymes <laughs> with, you know, puppy. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, I, that that was it's kind of messed up because I was going to ask you guys that question. Oh, geez. Well, I know what my answer. I'm old school, dude. Play them. Play the yeah. freaking butt. And, and everybody, oh, well, what if he gets hurt? What if he does get hurt? What if he falls getting off the escalator? Like what? The, like <laughs> down at, at, you know, what, what's that uh, mall called there in Green Bay? What is it? Something Bay Park Mall or something? Is that right, Tim? Yep, yep, yep. Bay Park, yep. Are they, are they still doing good down there? Are they still in business, man? I, I believe so. You know, I don't get to the <laughs> west side as often as I'd like. And usually when I'm there, I'm I'm only at 1265. So, <laughs> One of the first times I went to Green Bay, we went in there and there was a coffee shop. I can't remember the name of it. And only my wife, only Mandy, could find a china shop in the middle of a coffee shop, right? And spent hundreds of dollars on plates and had them shipped back to us. And I'm like, we're in town to watch the Packers play and you're shopping for China in the mall. Like, how does it even happen? <laughs> anyway. So yeah, when it comes to backup quarterback though, uh, or when it comes to preseason, I'm, I'm playing Jordan love. Now I'm not playing him the whole game. Obviously you don't want to put him out there. You play him with the starters. That's the way I see it. He needs all the experience he can get. And, and again, mm-hmm. that's not to go in there and pad stats and go, oh, look, yeah, we made the right decision. Everybody puffed their chest out. No, it's to go in and work on stuff and be willing to throw interceptions and be willing to get in there and, and try to, okay, let's let's really test these concepts out. Granted, it's going to be against vanilla defenses, but, you know, you you know, it's just like the, the play we broke down the other day, Malcolm, where uh, I believe it was Houston was running Tampa too. You know that's kind of their base yeah. defense with Lovey Smith in town when he was there. Mm-hmm. So you know you're going to get that kind of look. Guess what you can do? You can work on your com- your route combinations, your passing concepts to attack cover to attack uh, Tampa too. So there's things you can work on and not be afraid to make mistakes and really kind of stre- put a little stress on the offense and see what you got. But this whole, you know, just kind of piddle footing around, dude, I don't understand it. It's just like with practice too. You know, I believe they said that uh, – I believe it was Andy Reid has, has got one of, the, one of the most physical practices today now. And I believe, if I understood correctly, the year that Tom Brady won the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, he played in the preseason. So the greatest yeah. quarterback of all time is playing in the preseason, but we we shouldn't play our guy. It's just silly to me. Right. And, and in addition to that, Clayton, uh, if you look at the last three seasons, 2020 didn't have a preseason. Uh, we played against the Vikings, had a good offensive game, but it took a couple of uh, drives to really get going. Yep. Uh, and I would say the lack of crowd, atmosphere, I believe they were missing a couple of guys on defense. Uh and there, and be it that defense is uh, more reactionary to the offense, you know, guys was getting get more gassed on defense than offense. So uh, yeah. then, then you go to 2021, didn't play in the preseason. We get stumped out by Jameis Winston and the Saints. And oh, then, God. of course, this past season, you know, again, no, no preseason play from Aaron Rodgers or Christian Rodgers. So uh, we all know how that first play went of the game, and it was just downhill from from there. So I think. Oh. Yeah, in order for us to uh, – I think in order for us to have that successful season, however we see fit, uh, we got to start – we have to get rolling early. Yeah. And I think that that starts with playing in the pre, uh, playing love and the starters in the preseason. I think it's so, important, Jacob, to establish that kind of mentality too. Like we, we're, we're not going to go out there and play scared. We're not going to go out there and, and play like, oh, you know, okay, we're, we're worried about somebody getting hurt. No, if somebody gets hurt, it's next man up. Let's go. 
you know, mm-hmm. that we need a little bit. Of that. And that's to me, that's one of the downfalls of having LaFleur as a head coach. And I, I, I think you would agree, Jacob. I've seen your reactions on the postgame show. Like you feel like, <laughs> am I wrong by saying that you feel like LaFleur is a little soft, right? Am I am I right in that? No, there's definitely uh, Jake, times Jake, where I, I, I would agree, not wholeheartedly, <laughs> not that I would want to, but I, I agree. I, I, I wish that Matt LaFleur was a little bit more of a hard nose. Yeah. I wish he had a little bit more Dan Campbell in him. I'll just there say that. Yeah. Because I want, I want people biting uh, kneecaps. Tell you what he needs. He needs a little more of this in him right here. That's what he needs in him right there, man. Just a little bit of that. Man. <laughs> so, so and I, I and that was like Go ahead, oh, go ahead Mal. Uh I was gonna just say I, I was I was gonna ask that like uh would y'all would y'all like to see that out of Matt LaFleur going into the season given that Aaron Rodgers, you know, like we said earlier uh earlier you said claimed that he wasn't the rah rah leader. Maybe Matt LaFleur can finally feel like he could be that rah rah leader uh that you know we are looking for out of him. Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, I'm gonna turn it over to you, Tim. But I, I think Matt Lafleur is definitely held back. And but you got to understand if if there's one thing that we have learned from this play callers podcast, he's not the, a this sissy. coaching tree. He's they not. very much so believe in allowing their players to lead, allowing their yes. players to take ownership. You know, you heard the story from Andrew Whitworth, and them literally changing the running scheme mid game. And and McVeigh on the sideline going, hey, it's heck yes, working, dude. Keep doing it. Like you know, he they want to give them that freedom to to do what it is that they you know they need to do. Um, now, I, I think Lafleur probably couldn't be him be his true self with Aaron in the locker room, and that's what I talked about before. There was this cloud over the locker room. I didn't personally think it was a negative. I don't want you to take that the wrong way. It's just mm-hmm. that's the guy in the locker room. Lafleur was not. Now Lafleur is. There's no excuses. Go in there, take the bull by the freaking horns, and uh, and you know, and and be the leader of the team, you know. And and you can still allow players to lead. You still got a lot of leaders in place. It's just this whole playing scared and being kind of, you know. I, and I think it's a reflection on the defense at times too. But what were you going to mm-hmm. say, Tim? Oh no, I was going to say I agree. I mean, I, I think a lot of us fans are in agreement that we we love Coach Lafleur, but we we'd like to see a little more, uh, for lack of a better term, piss and vinegar. You know, we like to see a little bit of, little bit of fire. You know, and really, I think when we talked about Jordan Love and, and you know, going back full circle here, like how much does he play? I think you hit it on the head, Clayton. Like, yeah, let's not be scared. How long are the run are the ones going to run? So right. if the ones are on the field, you know, then yeah, then Jordan Love should be on the field. I mean, it it, it speaks to the fact that this is a team now, and we don't, you know. It's not all about QB1. It's about this team and this offense and this defense coming together in all phases and getting it done this year. So, I mean, that's what I was I was just going to say I agree with you guys. I mean, I was I was kind of joking about the whole pup list thing and everything because at the <laughs> end of the day, yeah, it's football. You know, you can get hurt, you know, putting your pads on if you're not careful. <laughs> like, I mean, it's part of the game. Yeah. No, it really is, and I don't know, man. Um, the the main thing is you don't want Jordan Love out there with the twos, right? You you want there to be continuity with that offensive line. You don't want him to be in a position where, uh, you know, a team may leave in their starters. You take out your starters. You got maybe a makeshift offensive line, and Love goes down. You know, there's a difference between being confident and stupid, if that makes sense. What were you gonna say, Jacob? 
Yeah, no, I, I had a thought that I have totally spaced on earlier um, because of the fact that like Tim just said, and like Malcolm referenced, we want him out there if they're playing with the ones. And like you just said, the only if, uh, issue with that is like Andy Herman touched on it earlier that basically they've already kind of alluded to the fact that they're not going to play Jones. They're not going to play Bakhtiari or Elton. They're not going to probably play, obviously they're not going to play Gary. They're not going to play Stokes, even if they were up to the point where they could, they're not going to play a lot of these blue chip guys. Um, so that being said, what point do you give love the best opportunity with a one a half of a one an a squad you know what i mean um and but also what i forgot to mention is that we are going to be doing joint practices with i believe two of the three teams that we play in those preseason games where i believe that's probably more beneficial more key reps so that they can actually and it's going to be a little more protected obviously in those practices it's you don't hit the quarterback or else there's a whole team brawl kind of thing going on so I think that maybe we should pump the brakes on judging if he doesn't get massive amounts of reps in those preseason games because he's probably getting a lot of really great reps in the uh, in the joint practices. Which, like, uh, I even think that our man uh, Mr. Rogers said that that was way more beneficial for him than it was actually playing in any sort of preseason games that he's been a part of. So, yeah, and, and he originally he wasn't a fan of it, and then it sounded like no. he kind of came around to it, which is really cool. Um, you, you were going to bring something up, Jacob. Let's go ahead and jump into it, man. You were talking about how the other day I, I had a pod where I played uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks kind of talking about the NFC North, and Daniel Jeremiah kind of drew a comparison with Seattle. He said, I could see Green Bay being you know, the Seattle of this year, you know, how Seattle kind of overperformed last year. And uh, he said, actually, I could see them being better, though, because they have a better roster, right? Um, mm -hmm. a little bit of research on that, right, Jacob? What did, what did you kind of come away with, man? And I want to get Malcolm and Tim's take on that. Yeah, I mean, just real quick, we'll go through some numbers because if we were to perform at the level of the Seattle Seahawks in 2022, that's saying the Packers in 2023, what would it look like? Would it be something that we would consider acceptable? Well, first of all, they're in the NFC West, obviously, but their record was 9-8. and eight. They had 407 points scored. That's ninth overall. They were um, – 25th on defense with 401 points allowed. They were the 12th overall offense, the 14th overall, I'm sorry, the 12th overall team, 14th overall offense, 22nd overall defense, and the 15th overall special teams as far as PFF grades go. When you look at their quarterback, if we were going to compare what Geno Smith did last year as to what maybe a Jordan Love could do, I mean, honestly, I would think I would be very, very impressed. The guy had 572 attempts. 4,200 yards, basically almost 4,300 yards, tied for seventh in passing, 30 touchdowns, passing touchdowns, that's fourth, and he had only 11 interceptions, tied for tenth. I mean, he had a 79.8 overall grade, a 76.1 passing grade, and an 82.8 rushing grade. Imagine if Jordan Love actually did have those numbers. I'd be freaking ecstatic if I'm, you know, being honest here. Yeah. Um, you look at what Geno Smith has done over his career. I mean, that was basically an anomaly. I just had to highlight quick because I couldn't believe it. Um, his grades from 2013, 60.7, 57, 60, 65, 70.9. And then in 2018, the dude had a 20.6. I mean, that – I think that my grandma could do that, and she's been deceased for many years. Uh, 62.2 and then a 73, and then last year almost an 80 grade. When you look at the two uh, opposing – starting lineups this is where it gets a little interesting because it is it is kind of it's it's shocking so if you look at just starting from left to right our starting wide receivers 
Theirs is DK Metcalf, 77.7 grade. Ours is Christian Watson, a 77.1. In the slot, they have Jackson Smith and Jibba, a guy that a lot of people are mad that we didn't grab. In our slot, we have an unknown as well in Jaden Reed. When you look at the left tackle, we definitely got him beat with Bakhtiari, who's basically at an 80 PFF grade to their uh, cross, who's at 63.1. Is a young guy. They'll, uh, he could maybe uh, take a step. At left guard, we're basically exact. 72.3 grade for Jenkins versus 72.5 for Lewis. If you look at center, it's almost exact. I shouldn't say exact. Myers is a little step below 60.4 grade to their Brown at 64.8. If you look at the uh, right guard, we've got a little bit of an edge over there with Runyon at 62.6. Right tackle, it's almost exactly the same. Tight end, they have Fant at a 64.5. And then on the outside, their uh, other receivers lock it with a solid 70-ish grade, and ours is Dobbs with a 62-point grade. Uh, Loves got limited, obvious snaps last year, but his grade is 78.7. Geno Smith was 79.3. We have Aaron Jones slotting in there as one of the best running backs in the league at an 86 grade. They had Kenneth Walker. Um, again, I believe Rashad Penny and some other guys rotating there last year, but that is shockingly similar when you look at those and you look at the defensive side, we pretty much have them beat almost mm. at every position, but it's not by a bunch. They've got Wag Wagner who really takes control and they've got a couple really good safeties. But other than that, I would say that we have a better yeah. overall offense, a better defense, special teams. If we could jump up to 15th overall, I think that's a massive step, but I, I would mm -hmm. be surprised if we uh, actually do a little bit better than that, just because, you know, Rich Passaccia, it's, it's as shown leaps and bounds as to where we were. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. But anyways, you think about yeah. uh, I think a big part of, uh, well, what would give us that similar season to what the Seahawks had last season uh, and maybe even having a better season is how, if our defense jumps, exactly. like uh, Jay just yeah. mentioned, I think, I think our I feel like their defense played to their potential last year. It had a very uh sort of inexperienced de uh inexperienced defense. Uh had a lot of young guys come in through the draft. Uh, and I would say that our defense underperformed. Perform I would say performed just right, but could have performed a lot better. Uh especially in them last five games, I feel like they played very well. And I feel like that was because, you know, the uh, I, there were reports. I don't know if it's true, but the defensive backs they went up wanted to play more press coverage, uh, and they just wanted to have a more in-your-face approach. So I, I think that if you look at the past and going back to like the uh, beginning of the season, starting the season off, uh, our defenses got gassed uh, by the team by the Vikings in the Saints. So we have to have a more aggressive approach if I think we can pretty much reach our max potential on defense. Uh, but it's, I think it's possible that we could have like sort of that Seahawks season. Cause because yeah. I, I think it, I, and I think that's another thing, their offense were com was committed to the run with Kenneth Walker. And I think yeah. that opened up a lot of play action opportunities for uh, Geno Smith. Uh, and they, I would say they lost a few games that they could have won. I think they could have won against the Buccaneers. Just uh, Dino Smith came up short, and that's what that was a game where their running game wasn't as effective. Uh, what's another game? So yeah, I don't, I don't think they reached. I, I think they could have won more games last year. With that being said, I feel like we could win more games. I went, they went nine and eight, correct? Yes, sir. So I, yeah, I believe it. Like that was my prediction. We could go nine and eight, but I believe we could win more if our defense 
uh, comes with it, and we commit to the run like we say we will. What do you think, Tim? Man, first of all, I agree totally with what uh, Malcolm just said. Uh, I'm a defensive guy. I believe that's what's been, um, you know, causing us not to be able to get over the hump these last few years. Um, in, in whatever aspects you want to talk about, whether it's technique, it's scheme, it's, you know, whatever. But, but the defense, man, if this defense steps up, I, I, I'm not concerned at all about our offense. I'm as right. excited as everyone else is right now. And to, to Jacob's point, I mean, I agree. Like, is Jordan Love a better quarterback than Geno Smith? I mean, only time will tell. But I'm of the mentality, you know, maybe it's rose-colored glasses, but what if what if J-Love puts up better numbers than Geno Smith put up last year? Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, to Malcolm's point, you know, Geno Smith out of play action, yeah, that's that's uh, caters to his game, and the same thing is true for J-Love. So it's going to be fun, man. I, I, I'm excited for this season. I, I say that every time I'm on here because I can't hide it. And uh, we're camps right around the corner, guys. Like, it's going to get real, and we're, gonna, we're not going to have to speculate. We won't have to speculate anymore. We'll see these things, you know. So, uh, Tim, uh, Tim, I, I just want to ask you this question, uh, just about Joe Barry. Do you, uh, in his scheme, do you think we see a little bit less quarters coverage this year? I, I, I ask this because I've been kind of doing my homework on, like, just looking into the defense a lot more and running a lot of quarters coverage, but uh, and we constantly get caught up in how we should have signed Evero over uh joe barry and i kind of looked into or fangio's or fangio's uh <laughs> interviews uh i looked into an Evero interview and he said he uh of course he wants to run the fangio scheme and they had the names on the schemes but he said at the end of the day you gotta conform your scheme to your players so uh yeah. is there any player that you think doesn't fit in joe barry's scheme or any particular reason that joe barry's scheme hasn't worked uh, or or is it just comes down to how he coaches the defense? Uh, I just wanted to ask what you think about that. That's a great question, you know, because I think about things like that too. As far as the coverage, uh, quarters coverage, I, I don't know about like less of it, maybe using more of it as deception within the scheme. Maybe Maybe mm-hmm. we give that look and then we're not doing what it looks like we're doing, which would be great. But I think uh, you hit it on the head, Malcolm, earlier when you talked about aggressive you know we, we mm-hmm. need to see some some aggressiveness and if if we're talking about barry being a type of guy who who admits that you have to sometimes cater and tailor your scheme to your players and the talent and the guys that you have then maybe this is that year maybe like you know i talked about quay walker on, on the last couple pods maybe this <laughs> is the year um we get more aggressive on third down. Maybe we're not five yards, ten yards off the <laughs> off the ball yeah. on third yeah. down, and now we're now we're getting off the field on third and four instead of giving up first down. So um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't speak to if I think we'll see less of this, less of that. I just I do think this could be the year that we're going to see change. We're going to yeah. see some changes all, all over this uh, this scheme, offensively and defensively. I'd like to yeah. see us be more aggressive on first down because, as I alluded to on a different podcast, uh, Packers apparently gave up an average of over six yards every first down, which makes it hard to force yeah, people off the field. That's when what you're sets up your and third two. and fours. Exactly. And your third and right. twos. You're absolutely right. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, they were yeah, actually 
pretty effective on third and long. And they were good on third. Team. Yeah, they were good. They just could and longs. Um, in the chat here, we got RDC said, happy Sunday, gentlemen. As an optimist, I believe love can be as or more effective than Smith or 2022 Rodgers. And I picked nine and eight also. Um, I think that's very, very reasonable, to be honest with you. Uh, Dakota in the chat, he obviously is on the same page. He said, what's up, y'all? I'm looking into quarters coverages tonight. Um, <laughs> now, I want to go back to this real quick. This was a question from Jason. Jason said, what should I watch to get familiar with offensive and defensive schemes? Man, there are a ton of YouTube channels out there. I'll tell you, Malcolm, yeah. Malcolm, who's right here on the chat with us, uh, go to Big Mac Breakdowns. He's got some awesome videos within the running game. Really, it's, it's you, specific to Green Bay's offense. And as far as uh, a defense, just go study quarters coverages with match principles, okay? When you get into quarter mm. coverages, a lot of people hear quarters and they just think, okay, you're just playing four deep, you're playing a quarter coverage, and you're playing eight yards off the ball, and we're going to cuss Joe Barry the entire game. That's what they think it is. But there's a yeah. lot of stuff that's mixed in. You get into cover four palms. You get into these man principles. You get into two read, which is basically just to give you kind of a snapshot of how some of this works with man principles. Let's say you've got a two-by-two two set, right? you got two receivers on each side of the center, right, on each side of the line of scrimmage. And let's say the number two receiver from the quarterback's perspective, right? You got the one on the outside, then you got your two, and the same thing on the opposite side, right? So let's just focus on this half of the field. Let's say you're in a quarter coverage, you got two on the shelf, and you're showing that quarter's look, okay? And it's it's made to deter offenses from taking shot plays, basically. The name of the game is controlling what we call explosive plays, okay? Explosive plays are plays – uh, more than 20 yards. It's now statistically proven that if a team has an explosive play, one explosive play triples your chance of scoring on that drive. That's what the stats are showing. So what happened was they came up with the cover four defense and they started leaning on the Fangio system because quarters will take away the deep shots and the explosive plays in a running game are outside zone. We talked about it with Dusty last night. I don't want to go all the way back through it, but that's that's how we came to this style of defense. It's why we hired Joe Perry, who was Joe Barry was the linebacker coach for the Rams. And obviously McVay got his rear end handed to him in the Super Bowl against Bill Belichick using these not necessarily quarters, but what Belichick did was presented a six man front to stop the outside zone. So what you've got are now wide nine techniques. You got what we call wide nine quarters. Now back to what I talked about with two read with two read, you've got the one and the two receiver, right? If, and you, and you basically, what you've got is if both guys go vertical, then you've got a cornerback deep quarter, safety, deep quarter, safety, deep quarter, corner, deep quarter. Okay. If the number two receiver goes vertical. Okay. If he goes vertical, then you're both going to stay in quarters. If he goes shallow. Now what happens is the, the corner will play underneath and be aggressive while the safety now turns his side of the field into a half, basically a cover six defense. Now it could mirror on both sides. Guys, that's just one little principle in the, uh, the, the man match aspect of this mm -hmm. fan style defense. And there is a ton of different variables. That is very, very, very entry level. But to answer Jason's question, if you'll just go search on YouTube quarters coverage breakdown, there's, there's one, I think it's called victory, but instead of it being spelled victory, it's V-I, and it's it's V-I-Q, and then spell out victory the rest of the way. That's an awesome channel where they do a good job of breaking That's down quarters. So um, there's just a lot of stuff that you can really get lost in when it comes to covering uh, you know quarters because everybody does it different, and everybody has different terminology. But the reason that that, that coverage is, is, what, is what LaFleur picked 
was because he wants to limit explosive plays. You guys have heard me over and over, man. When I watch the tape, I don't watch the tape and go, this scheme is trash. I just don't. I watch the yeah. tape. These guys are making mistakes. That's what I see. Yeah. And I, so, I was I would uh I would agree with that, Clayton, because you see you seen it work. You see it work and I think Hey US cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to twelve hundred dollars to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to twelve hundred dollars off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com. We make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. We, uh, Joe, Joe Barry uh, is not scheming it correctly on the back end. I think we, fe- we like, with the... Uh, with us playing a lot of soft coverage, it opens up everything underneath. And I think yeah. that's where it's throwing off some of the communication as well. Yeah. And it, I mean, my opinion, it doesn't help when you got people skipping OTAs either. But that's a story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, everybody bashed Aaron for missing OTAs, but nobody said a word about Jair Alexander. <laughs> you know, they were just like, oh, well, it's okay, I guess. Yeah. Hey, but, hey, Malcolm, I have a question real quick. Do you, do you yeah. think, to your point, what you just said, do you think it, it's because of safety play? Like, that we're just not, you know, as far as uh, the scheme, he's just not confident? Yeah, I would, I would say yeah, uh, this past season, for sure, because uh, I think I think both safeties, uh, Savage and Amos, Amos uh, took a step back as far mm-hmm. as playing. I, I think uh, Amos took an even further step back as a coverage safety, uh, <clears throat> which me. is what we need when we're playing. Off. Yeah, which is right. Which yeah. is what, and and we wanted some of us wanted Darnell Savage to come down and play in the slot, but uh, I want to say it was against the Titans, and there was that blown coverage on. It was a cover three palms, and it was it was like he just got flat out. It looked like the communication was just off. 
Yep. And uh, and it was on the same side. I think it was on the same side with Jair, uh, which is funny that Clayton just said he missed OTAs. But uh, <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, there was there was multiple plays, dude, where I seen Ja just play too aggressive underneath. You know, he would jump the underneath yeah. route, and then it was like immediately he was like, "Oh crap!" The two went vert. I've got to get back. And you know, he just he just caught himself peeking in the backfield. And you know what? You play aggressive. You win aggressive, you lose aggressive, right? But when you look yeah. at this defense, when you look from a pass defense standpoint, they were actually pretty good coming down the stretch. They started yeah. to really turn it on. And and I don't think – everybody thinks that they just magically changed something within the scheme. Everybody was screaming, we mm-hmm. need to run, man, we need to run, man. They were still running the same defense. There might have been some minor tweaks here or there, but that goes with every football season. You know, so, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just uh, – And I, I thought – I I thought uh, – I thought that we would use Jair a little bit, how uh, the Rams used Jalen Ramsey back when Brandon Staley was there. And, right. and watching that 2020 defense and then hiring a coach from that 2020 defense, I was kind of expecting uh, <laughs> a little bit more out of the defense because it, it's, right. it seemed like I think we played a little bit reactionary with this being hindsight being 2020 because right if you look with when we were with mike Patton, we were getting beat deep you know the infamous kevin king getting beat by scotty miller and then we hire a coach (laughs) where the defense is predicated to stopping the big play and if you i don't know if anybody had amnesia but we had just got ran on for 200 plus yards by raheem mostert now, uh, Jimmy get, get Paul's there. The- get Paul's there for just a second. Think about yeah. that. They got ran rough shot over by the 49ers. What did LaFleur do? He said, scratch this. We're going wide nine to make sure that wide zone will never attack us like that again, and we'll go <clears> quarter <throat> coverages. Yeah. That's what provoked it. Me and Dusty talked about that last night. Go ahead, though, Malcolm. Yeah. And, uh, and then it's like I thought we would have addressed the run game like uh, with more playing more – I guess heavier boxes, even though we were come or even though we were getting the guy from the Fangio style system, you know, still staying true to what our, we're still trying to make our weakness one of our strengths, which, which was the run game. But it yeah. seemed like we just, you know, went all in on pass. And I, and uh, I like Eric Stokes, I do, but I didn't think he fit the quarters coverage scheme. He doesn't. But he had a promising rookie se- uh, rookie season, right. so it was like okay. Uh, but just coming into this season, he just he he didn't play. He didn't. He only played on one side. He you couldn't move him around. The defense couldn't really throw the defense off. You had to force. If uh, Eric Stokes played on the left side, that means has to you had to keep Jair on the right side because when they started off, they was playing Rasul Douglas in the slot. When Eric Stokes goes down, now you have to. Now it seemed like at that point, that's where Joe Barry started to mix it up a little bit. With the uh, with the corners, yeah, uh, and I I I, I want to see like I going back to my going back to the point where I said how Evero said that you have to conform the scheme to your players, and that's kind of why I asked like, do we see less co- less quarters? Because I think that that will benefit the team as far as being unpredictable. I'm all about being unpredictable. That's on offense or defense. So. And bring and bringing more blitz, bringing more blitzes, being able to play the run, bringing them extra man down in the box every now and then. I, I don't think it'll hurt at all. Yeah, no doubt. 
Uh, very well said. RDC in the chat says, uh, less, less Barry, more Fritz Shermer. Boy, that brings back. To <laughs> right there. Malcolm, before we let you go, do you got anything else you want to hit on, man? We got Andy in the hopper here. He's been holding for a little bit. Is there anything? Oh, else no, I, I'm a pass. The, I'm a pass the ball on this one. I, I, I've been rocking with y'all since the start. Of the like <laughs> hey, we appreciate you dropping in, man. It's always a blast. No problem, you. man. Yeah. No problem. Man. It was a, it was my pleasure, man. I had a good time. Yeah, right, guys, check out uh, check out Wyatt's YouTube or uh, Wyatt. Check out uh, Malcolm's YouTube. He just did a new uh, breakdown of Devonte Wyatt, and it's pretty yeah. encouraging watching how that dude moves on certain reps. So, man, I am so excited to watch him. Yeah. <laughs> Same, yeah, man. I want to see him in that three tech, dude. I want him to slide into I that three did. tech and dominate, dude. And and uh, stop. And I would say a more effect, a good effective way to stop the wide zone. And to switch it up is the tight front. I watched the video on that not too yep. long ago. Tight yep. front, I, I hope to see more of that with Wyatt, TJ Slayton, and Kenny Clark. I need it. Come yeah. on. That is going to be something to see. All right, brother. We appreciate your time, man. You have a great All night. All right. See y'all later, man. All right. Take care. See you, All right. We, uh, we're going to bring Andy in now. We got Andy from Kansas. Andy, how you doing, buddy? Oh, real good. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, absolutely, man. We're glad you could join us. Dude. We're just over here geeking out over some scheme talk, stuff like that. So what's on your mind tonight, man? Yeah. Well, I'll pick up the baton where uh, Malcolm left off. He mentioned uh, Wyatt at the end, and I was hoping to <clears> – <throat> sorry, I think allergies are getting to my voice here. But I was hoping to get in here and talk about – yeah, uh, pick up where you know he left off with talk about Devontae Wyatt. Uh, because uh, we were talking about, you know, can we be more aggressive on the the backside somehow with the coverage? But up front, think about it, we're replacing Dean Lowry, who was very uh, assignment sure, but he was not a wow player. He made very few wow plays. Jaron Reed, not a lot of wow plays. Now we're replacing those guys with, TJ Slate, TJ Slayton, who's not known for being a wild player, but Devonte Wyatt, uh, I saw some of Malcolm's uh, uh, tweets that were, you know, just talking about some of his talents there, along with guys like Van Ness, uh, the uh, the Luke Ness monster, if you will. Uh, <laughs> he can play with his hand in the dirt up front, I think. And of course, Rashawn Gary, once he comes back. So if you have a much more aggressive. Uh, a set of guys up front, um, you know, that can work a lot of wonders too. And, and, and really how much are, of course, those guys are young, right? Kenny's been there a while, but Van Ness is young. Wyatt's young. Slayton's still pretty young. If they make a few splash plays, but in their youth miss some tackles, for example, how much is a sack worth? Is a sack worth two missed tackles? Would we be fine with that? You know, is a is a uh, a forced fumble worth three missed tackles? I mean, there's going to be some sort of a trade off, I'm sure, as a as a young team trying to establish what it's trying to do up front. Is it worth going ahead and doing that? Uh, I would say, yeah, considering we've seen the non aggressive version for a few seasons, we're not satisfied. So you have guys who have the talent. I think part of it was. It's good to have guys who are assignment sure, but if you if you really lack that high end talent, uh, you cannot really expect that much just because the ceiling isn't there. Yeah, yeah. 
I think it's a good point. What do you think, Tim? I agree. I'm I'm over here jotting down notes. <laughs> Excellent <laughs> points. I mean, I totally see that too. I, Andy makes a great point. The more aggressive you can be up front with with success, is going to help the back end of, of of the D. I mean, they go hand in hand. I'm just concerned that you know, hopefully this year, if we see that, we don't overcorrect and we don't see what we saw a few years ago where we're over pursuing or we're over aggressive um, in our scheme in our approach. But, you know, Clayton, you, you said this earlier and, and Andy just, you know, recertified it. It, it comes down to execution. You know, players got to play. You got, you got to go do your job and you got to play. And, you know, I, I agree with Andy. I would gladly take, you know, a forced fumble and a sack in exchange for a few missed tackles, but, we can't miss all our tackles. We, right. we've, we've seen that too much in recent memory. So, um, you know, I agree with the point. I, 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 I think so. I think we need to be more aggressive in, as a whole. I just don't want to, I don't want to overcorrect. Yeah. And again, going back to that, that statistic of explosive plays, you know, plays of 20 yards or more, if you get one of those explosives, it triples your chances of scoring on that drive. So the number one, and, and you guys may hear that, Maybe not necessarily you, but someone else listening to the pod, you may hear that and go, well, I don't think that's important. Forget me for a second. This is what McVeigh, LaFleur, all of these guys, this is what they thought was important. They think it's so important that you limit the explosive plays. And Belichick has openly talked about needing more explosive plays on offense. This is something within the coach's circle is very, very, very important. So when you talk about you know, a sack, yes, a sack is great. But from my perspective, it's, okay, am I willing to give up an explosive play in return for a sack either two plays before or two plays after? No, because that explosive play is what's going to give you a greater chance of scoring points. Now, pressures, to me, pressures are just as, just as much, if not more important than sacks because pressures lead to picks, and that's turnovers. You know, with a sack, you may get a sack on third down, they punt the ball away, and they're picking up 50, 60, 70 yards of invisible yardage through the punt as opposed to pressure forcing an interception and causing a turnover. And we know, you know how much that turnover differential matters. I've actually got it charted back here on my whiteboard, so I wouldn't, wouldn't overlook it ever again. Um, so when you look at it that way, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, any play on defense is good, right, any kind of success, but – the way I'm looking at it is the same way the coaches are trying to look at it is limit the explosive plays to stop priority. And Jason in the chat says, a very helpful. I decided to look more into this because uh, you all have made football so much more exciting to watch once a person understands. Jason, it's uh, the book that I read that got me to the point where you're talking about being was called Take Your Eye Off the Ball. It's by Pat Kerwin. And when I read that book, I was like, "This, there's a whole different world out here <laughs> in the game of football that I don't understand. And once you start to understand a little bit of the nuances, you don't, even, you don't have to know everything. But when you start to understand, all right, what are they trying to accomplish both offensively and defensively, man, you see the game totally different. And that's, that's why he titled the book the way he did, Take Your Eye Off the Ball. Um, RDC in the chat says, I must be missing something. What has Joe Barry ever done that gives one confidence he can get the job done? Again, RDC, my, my answer pretty much stays the same. I watch the tape and I don't go, this scheme's flawed. The, the players are not playing up the expectations. Now, some people would say, okay, it's the defensive coordinator's job to get them ready. And I'm going, hold up a minute. How many first-round picks do we have on this defense? And they need to lean on a defensive coordinator to get them amped up and ready to play football? Like, 
these when you got what is it nine first round picks on defense? I believe is that right, Jacob? That sound right? At least eight. I know for sure eight. So let's call it eight. If you've got eight first round picks on this defense, and they can't get accustomed to a scheme three years in, I don't know, man. I don't know. And you know what's crazy is, okay, he isn't teaching it well enough. Okay, how in the heck can us as fans understand the defense? <laughs> But right. they can't understand it. Why? Why do they need someone? You know what I'm saying? Like it's this isn't, you know, it's not like learning a new language, right? It's not like okay, we're just starting from scratch, and I don't know what the heck this is. These are these are principles that are pretty common across the league. It just it's how this all kind of is encompassed underneath this umbrella that we call the Fangio style uh, quarters wide nine, right? So uh, I don't I know. Say Jacob, one thing. Am I being too? Am I being too lenient on Joe Barry, Jacob? I mean, I. I don't know. I think that this year is going to be a big, um, a big difference maker as to what people's opinions really do. It'll be a fair year to see really what we have here, because like Andy touched on Dean Lowry for as much as I love the guy for what he did and wearing that green and gold for Jerron Reed, which by the way, Jerron Reed went to guess who the Seattle Seahawks this year. Um, So those two guys are basically like NPCs, man. You just plug them in. They're the guys that are on Madden. They're the 70 grade. You don't think about trading them. You just, they're there. They they're fillers between the two of them. They had 800 to 1200 snaps. I remember for for sure. I think it's somewhere more closer to 1200 snaps between the two of them. So if you give those snaps just between the two of those guys to again, Slayton to Wyatt to maybe even some guys like the, um, the rookies that we had, if they even get a couple hundred snaps a piece, I just think like Andy said, these guys are much more flashy. Wyatt uses his hands. He's got a crazy spin move. He's really, really aggressive. You look at that compared to, to a guy like Dean Lowry and Jerron Reed, maybe they were good at just doing their job, but I need guys that do their job and then some, and I think we have a few of those guys in our hopper, and it's nice to see that maybe they can start getting some reps. So, Yeah, very well said. I, I think that – Go ahead. Go ahead, Tim. Nope, never mind. It was Andy. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Andy. <laughs> Oh, I, I think that when there's so much questioning of the coordinator, I mean, we were all in school. You know the kids that did terribly in school? That must have been the teacher's fault, right? <laughs> all my teachers. The teacher must not, the teacher must not have <laughs> had any idea what they were doing you know, completely. So, But I understand the question. I mean, that's, that's an exaggeration. Okay, <laughs> right. Dom Capers in 2009. Dom Capers in 2009, the Packers had the number one run defense. That's right. Number one in the league, I believe it was. Okay. You fast forward a few years and people who, if they had, if they hadn't watched in 2009, watching in 2012 in that playoff game against Kaepernick, they wouldn't believe you that he had the number one rush defense into three years earlier, you know? So yeah. And somebody just asked, are you guys really a hundred percent confident in Joe Barry? If we, uh, if, if we have 17 shutouts this season, then yes, I will be 100% confident, Joe Barry. Because you're, I promise you, this, that it's a question asking, asking. Everybody's going to be screaming, fire him, fire him, fire him. Yeah, hey, you're I mean, asking for perfection. That, that's unrealistic. Yeah. RDC in the chat says, players, not plays. Fit the scheme to what your unit does best. I'm going to ask you, RDC, what does this unit do best? Because how many defensive coordinators are we going to go through? Right? Like, Seriously, what 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 does this unit do best? And what what does that consist of? Is it a man coverage? Are we just going to switch completely to man coverage? Because if that's the case, then you've got to scrap the staff and start from scratch. And oh, by the way, Brian Flores would have been the perfect candidate to that 
candidate for that, and we didn't choose him. We stuck with Joe Barry. There's a reason they're sticking with Joe Barry is because they want to keep this wide nine quarters in place because right now it's the darling of the league. Now, what you talked about, Andy, um, with them stopping the run uh, back when Capers came in, it's because the 34 zone blitz was starting to take over the NFL. It was the mm-hmm. sweetheart of the time. You, you literally you bring in these big – everybody else was running 4-3 defenses, right, where you had undersized defensive linemen, and they were all in charge of one gap each. You go to the 34 front, you put three big hog mollies on the front of that defensive line, and they're going to control two gaps each, and then you've got four linebackers behind it in the base package, of course, and they ran a lot of zone blitz. They didn't, they didn't pick that defense because their roster was – okay, this roster is built for a zone blitz defense. They didn't do that. They went out and got a guy that in Dom Capers that, hey, look, this is the defense that's really dominating the league right now. Let's bring him in here and teach our players. And the one he can't teach, the ones he can't teach, we'll get rid of, we'll replace, and we'll fit, fit them into this scheme because this is where the league's going. You know, here in Sean McVay, me and Jacob, Jacob, we talked about this offline. When you were listening to that podcast, the the play callers, Sean McVay got rattled, didn't he? He got his cage oh, yeah. freaking rattled. I'm telling you, Bill Belichick wrecked him. And you got to understand, like he he was the darling of the league that year offensively. They go into that Super Bowl, and he couldn't. I mean, he 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 could not do anything, dude. As far as the offensive statistic category, he didn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of, dude. That guy had no clue what to do, and all Belichick did was brung a six-man front and, in most cases, brung a safety down as the sixth man, but he took away that wide zone and made him play left-handed, right? So once he did that, okay, the very next year, McVay didn't panic right then. He panicked mid midseason the next year. Why? Because everybody watched that Super Bowl tape and they said, got it. That's how we beat the wide zone, the wide zone boot scheme when it comes to you know the defensive side of the ball. Everything is cyclical in the NFL. This stuff, this this prevent style defense, if you want to call it that, this stuff has rolled through the league before. Just like the 34 zone blitz rolled through the league before. The 34 was actually, to the best of my knowledge, was first used by John Madden back in the 70s. Well, how did we get to the 4-3? Because everything's cyclical and everybody's watching tape and those guys get paid too. And you're always looking to exploit and cheat and still, you know, as far as plays, things like that. Um, it's not as easy as just, okay, you know, let's let's pop on Madden. All right, let's see here. My corners are all good at man coverage. Change scheme, it just don't work like that. I wish it did. I really did. But the reason I asked that RDC is, like, what, what do these DBs do good then? Russell Douglas isn't a great man coverage corner. He's a he's a better zone coverage corner, right? What what does Savage do? Some people would argue he doesn't do anything, <laughs> right? But like, and, and Jair Jair's a superstar. He can play man. He can play zone, right? Um, you you got you got to stick with this scheme, and and that's what bothered me last year, and I got really irritated. I'm going to go back to Tim here, uh, or Jacob, whoever wants to talk. But what really irritated me was it was. We need to be playing man coverage. We just need to be playing man, more man coverage. It's like, okay, so everything that you installed in the offseason, everything you did in training camp, everything you did up to this point, now the defense coordinator is going to go, guys, I was stupid. I was I was dumb. You guys, let's, what do you guys want to run? Like, that's not how it operates. You know what I mean? That's uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with trying to think outside of the box. I would say it's a, a Bill Walsh quote, right? He said, if we're all thinking alike, then none of us are thinking at all. Um, but this is this everything about Matt Flores, Matt LaFleur's hiring 
that Mark Murphy chose Matt LaFleur was he looked around the league and said, okay, the, this is the offensive scheme we need to switch to. And then, of course, two years later, Matt LaFleur, one year later, Matt LaFleur said, all right, here's the defensive scheme we need. But go ahead, Jacob. What you got, man? No, I mean, um, RDC just commented again. He said, I'll remain cautiously optimistic, maybe more in-game adjustments will ease my concerns. I think that's a fair – I agree with that. Yes. In-game yep. adjustments yep. are something that on both sides of the ball um, I thought was lacking. Um, you know, like you said, certain situations, I understand if we have going with a certain game plan, um, if we have a certain way we want to operate. But once we've seen that things are starting to fall apart, it seems like we were so reluctant to change and so – slow to make those changes. I yeah. agree that if, if that's something that we could shore up, then um, I think it would go leaps and bounds. So, Yeah, no, I well, think it's a very, very fair point there. Go ahead, Tim. Oh, I, I agree Andy. with oh, – go ahead, Andy. Okay. Uh, considering how young our team is, maybe we're more adaptable because of because of the youth. We lost a lot of you know older players, and we've gained – not only younger players, but but quite a few newer players, especially the safeties that we've we've you know that Goody has brought on. I don't know how many has he brought on three or four of them in the off season. I mean, yeah. throw you know throw them at the wall, see see what sticks. A lot of those guys are probably on one or two year contracts. I mean, they don't have very much choice other than try try different things. You know, I think I've got a whole thing in mind for some other time just about you know just the processing of different players between like I think of it in four stages uh first of all the the scouting that you do before you acquire a player whether that's a draft pick or a free agent then there, I think that there's a certain amount of time that you scout a guy once you've already acquired him I don't know and, and the it I think it probably fluctuates how long these little sessions go but you know after you scout them after you acquire them then it's kind of an experimental stage. And then once you experiment enough until you know, then you have an implementation stage. Yeah. If you have a younger group of guys, what stage are you at with some of them? If you're at the post-acquisition scouting stage, it's going to look kind of rough because you're still trying to find out what they can do. But if all of a sudden you get enough, enough guys who are in kind of an experimentation stage for your scheme, you're going to see a lot of flexibility because – you at least know enough what they can do. You just don't know exactly what they're best at. So you're going to be able to try things knowing that they can at least give it a shot that's not going to look embarrassing. Once you know past the experimentation stage, this is what we're good at. Now you can do the implementation stage. And that's where you get guys like, you get teams like the, the 49ers offensive line where when they snap the ball, they all know exactly what they're going to do and they know it's going to work. Like that is just heads and tails above you know, if, if you're playing against a defense that's not really sure what they've got, that's when you get rolled in the 2019 championship game. Those guys yeah, knew exactly yeah. what they were doing every time, and we just had no chance. Yeah. Go ahead, Tim. Uh, Andy stole my thunder. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like what you said, Andy. Uh, that's a great way of looking at it, too, because I've always felt that way, too, that – you know, we see the draft and then it's like when camp starts, we kind of get to really see the scouting. Like the, the staff is really scouting and beginning stages of, of getting to implement these guys. And it's a process. It takes time. Um, you know, I mean, we could talk for hours about this. Again, I keep going back to I just cannot wait to at least see these guys out there running. And now now we can get an idea of 
you know, then we can really speculate based on what we're seeing. <laughs> right. This I think this year is really going to, excuse me, it's really going to tell the story. You know, it's going to, we're going to be able to see this year. Okay. It, you know, if the defense comes out and flops and they're mid tier, Barry's gone. I think we would all agree yeah. that that's probably going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But when we come in, now you've got Devontae Wyatt with a full year under his belt. You got Quay Walker with a full year under his belt. Um, you know, Rudy Ford. I'm excited about Rudy Ford, man. That dude, to me, he showed a lot of flashes last year. I want to go to the chat here, Jacob. David said, I'd rather have an aggressive defense and dictate the game and be willing to give up a big play. Uh, you know, I respect your opinion. And it sounds it sounds great to me, right? Yeah, okay, we'll we'll give up a big play here or there, but you know, let's be aggressive. But that's not what the top defenses are doing. You know, think of the guys who who comes to mind when you think of an aggressive defensive play caller. It's Brian Flores, right? Like they, he 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 loves the blitz and bluff constantly. Played a lot of man in Miami, but how how did he lose his job? How was he a below five hundred coach? Because that didn't work. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people like to point to Pittsburgh and go, oh, they're very aggressive. They're the- Pittsburgh runs a they're very hybrid. They run man coverage, too. But Pittsburgh runs way more zone than they run man man coverage. Right. So it's kind of where the league is at right now. Um, I understand what you say, man. It, it's it's hard to watch a game and see them run off six yards on first down. Right. It is. It's tough. But again, uh, you, as, as long as you're not giving up explosive plays and you're controlling the turnover differential, you're going to be in the ball game uh, to come away with a win. Unfortunately, last year we uh, we were horrible at turnover differential on offense, and that really uh, played a big role there into how well, everything I, kind of unfolded. But, you know, think about this too. I want to say this. When, when teams started to take our outside zone away, what did we do? What have you heard us talk about, Jacob, the last couple – mainly last year that me and Coach Han talked about on, on uh, Chalk Talk? We ran a lot of duo. We ran a lot of pin and pull, right? Yes, we still ran inside zone. Yes, we still run outside zone. But why did we go to duo, which is basically a, a vertical a vertical power running game. We won't get into all the details. It's, it's, uh, it's triggered by double teams getting to the second level. Um, there's a lot more to it than that, but we'll just leave it at that. Pin and pull, same thing. It's, it's, it's very much the opposite of a wide zone run. It's because teams started to crack down on the wide zone run. And you had to adjust, and and I would say our running game is pretty decent. You know, it's amazing that you know uh, AJ Dillon. Everybody considers it. He he did have a down year last year. He still averaged over four yards a carry, though, right? So it's like, you know, we're if we lean on the run this year, I think we're going to be fine. But it's going to come down to the defense being the strength, the running game, the running game, and the defense being the strength. And don't put too much on Love and let him work himself into that role. Andy, we're going to let you get out of here, man. Do you uh, do you have any other any other comments before you go, bro? Uh, yeah, at the beginning when you were talking with Malcolm, you know, I think you posed the first question was, you know, what do you consider a success for this season? Yeah. I don't think I don't I can't with a straight face say we're Super Bowl contenders. Now, if you have established at least that, you know that there's losses that are going to come. Okay, and. I categorize losses into three categories, right? Games you lose because you can't win, meaning you're just you're just not to the point where you've developed your team to beat the other team. It, it happens with every with every franchise. You go through those times where you just don't have it quite yet. So there are games when you lose because you can't win, games when you lose because you don't win, and games where you lose because you won't win. Last year's frustrating losses, Tennessee. Giants, Detroit, Detroit again, 
those were losses because we wouldn't win. I believed that we could. We just wouldn't do it. If you go back into playoff losses, there were times when we just, that we had no business being in that game and it proved it, right? And there were, you know, some of the heartbreaking losses is when we just won't do the normal things, the basic things to follow through and actually, you know, take it to, to that to that next step. So if during the season our losses are ones where we realize, yeah, we're just not, we're not up to par with that other team, that's probably a sign that we're a young and developing team. And times where it's just like, you know, it just didn't happen for us. Uh, you can't pinpoint a specific thing. It was a competitive game. We just didn't come out on top. But if we can, if we can reduce the number of games that we could and we just won't, it just seems like we won't do the things that we're supposed to do. Was it sub stubborn play, stubborn play calling? I don't know. If we can reduce those, we might not have any better of an actual record, you know, but at least we understand it a lot better and we kind of realize where we're at, you know, in it. Uh, as, a, as I used to be a teacher, so I think in terms like that too, if there was a kid who had six wrong on a math test, but he did the same thing wrong six times, I take that way more than a kid who did six different things wrong. It looks like it's the same in the end, but the nature of that is completely different because you know that you have a limited number of things that you have to correct. And going forward, it just, it's a lot better sign. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the whole, the whole light bulb quote. And I don't know the exact quote. It was, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't fail 10,000 times. I found 10,000 ways it wouldn't work. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, process of elimination. And, and that's what this, this year is going to be about. And, and Andy, we appreciate you hopping on with us, dude. Thank you so much for your time. But yes, this year, good night. yeah, man, you too, buddy. Uh, this year is going to be all about, um, you know, seeing what we got in this roster moving forward. It sucks for Aaron Jones. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes another pay cut and comes back again next year. He just seems like that type of guy uh, and wants to be a Packer. And if he's still playing at a high level, I'm all about it. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, it sucks to see his career kind of uh, what some people are saying is starting to wind down and we haven't been able to get him that ring. You know, uh, I love that dude, man. They, if I understood correctly, I don't know if you guys seen his IG story. Did you see it, Jacob, where he uh, on IG, he was rolling through Green Bay and the fence evidently has him on the fence this year next to Lambeau, you know, the painted fence. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I didn't see that. That's going to be the rallying cry this year, Tim. It's going to be around uh, – around Aaron Jones, man, and uh, he, he's the leader of this team. Uh, I think Jordan Love will step into that role really quick on offense, but right now it's uh, it's going to be Aaron Jones and Bakhtiari. And I think people are sleeping on Bach. I think Bach's going to come out this year and absolutely freaking dominate. I really believe that. But as we get ready to wrap this thing up, we're at the hour, 10-minute mark. Uh, Tim, what do you got? What else you got, man? Anything else you want to cover? Anything we didn't hit on? No, man, you guys hit on everything. Are you kidding? I'm still – I got carpal tunnel over here taking notes. Uh, <laughs> I just appreciate being a part of the conversation. I mean, you guys forgot more football than, than I know. So I'm, I'm always learning. Um, it's going to be an exciting year to your point about Aaron Jones. I, we're, we're used to cheering for Aaron's in green Bay, you know, and uh, <laughs> it's, it, I'm, I'm so excited. He's definitely on that list too, man, because we are going to see the full gamut of Aaron Jones in this offense now, yeah. finally. And I'm, I'm just as excited as everyone else is, I guess, if not more so. So thanks for having me on, guys. I'll let you guys wrap up. Jacob, you guys, Clayton, 
you're awesome. Thank you yeah, for letting me be you. a part of this, man. I'm I'm just it's an honor to talk ball with all you guys and Andy giving giving new perspective on how to look at things and and Malcolm's analysis is just incredible. So thanks for having me on, guys. You have a good one. Absolutely thanks, appreciate you, man. Have a good night. All right. Yeah, you know one of the things. Uh, Jacob, as we get ready to wrap up that I was thinking about earlier, I'm reading this book and you guys need to go grab it. I know I've promoted it before. I don't know if you can see it or not, but it's the 2020 uh, Green Bay Packers Complete Offensive Manual. It's by Bobby Peters. Absolutely awesome book. Now, obviously, it's two years out of date, but many of those same principles still apply. And, um, you know, one of the things he talks about in there are now screens. Right. And and how did we get to this quick passing game? Um, which is basically an RPO more or less on the now screen. And it's because you've got a two-on-one, right? You you know, Aaron would look up and go, okay, there's there's two receivers on that side, right? And there's two DBs, but that one DB's cheating in on the box. Think back to what I said about Belichick, putting that guy on the line of scrimmage, taking away the outside zone. We've got an outside zone RPO call, right? The ball snapped, that guy crashes, Aaron fires out and hits that receiver, which it's basically a two-on-one. You've got the receiver catching the now screen, and you've got a receiver blocking. So many times we hit that. Some on the dragon concept as well. With the dragon concept, you've got the outside receiver running a slant, and you've got kind of an outside a flat route underneath. And Aaron would just choose. If it's man coverage, I'm going to the flat, quick hitter, easy six or seven yard. I'm hoping, Jacob, that stuff still applies when it comes to Jordan Love. I hope they don't get completely away from that. But I'm on board with everybody else, and I'm sure you agree, man. We want to see a healthy dose of the run this year, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Wear Aaron down. <laughs> I hate the way y'all say that, man. You and Ryan are like, Ryan, <laughs> just, said, run I, the thing, run the tread all the way off the tires. <laughs> I mean, just give it like a solid 20 carries, like Malcolm says, not touches. I want 20 carries and then touches after that. Like, I want this dude, like, He's he's historical. I mean, he's averaging five yards plus a carry for his career. Like, why not just try and see what happens? Who knows? Yeah, yeah no doubt, man. All right, we want to thank everybody in the chat, man. We went way over, but this was a fun conversation. You know, it's funny. We didn't really get together and say, hey, here's the format. Here's what we want to talk about. Everybody else kind of controlled the conversation in the chat and, uh, and also uh, with the guests that came on the line with us. I like these weekly recaps. I got a message from Ryan. He's probably going to get mad. I'm going to read it off to you guys, though. He messaged <laughs> me and said, he said, dang, man, my bad. I just passed out like an old man. <laughs> so, anyway. Hope you got your nap in there, Ryan. It's all good, though, man. Everybody showed up in full force. So uh, appreciate everybody in the chat. RDC, man. Look, dude, first of all, the Bill Walsh quote we talked about, if we're all thinking, if we're all thinking alike and no one's thinking, the fact that you disagree with some of the stuff we're saying, it's a good thing, man. It makes for a great conversation. Don't ever feel like you got to agree with us. I was just trying to hammer home, like, hey, here's the way I'm seeing it based off of the information that I've compiled, that this is, this is how the coaches across the league, the game's going. Now, here's what's crazy make them out this year and it completely flip. That's what's so awesome about the NFL, man. It's just a constant, constant change and the cyclical nature and everybody, like I said, stealing off of each other and just trying to get that little bit of an advantage is awesome. John in the chat. Thank you, buddy. We appreciate you dropping through David, uh, DJ key, everybody in the chat. Thank y'all so much. Dakota, probably at work getting paid to listen to a podcast. That's not nice, saying it. Jason, and uh, everybody in between, we really appreciate everybody's time. Jacob, you got anything else, buddy? No, man. I'm just excited. We got 10 days until training camp starts, so let's go. Got real content. I'm, I'm, I'm yawning, man. I've been up. I got to get up tomorrow at 4 a.m. I've been up today, so too long, but uh, I can't complain. We're talking Packers. Come on.
No, absolutely, man. You got to fit it in for sure. You got to fit it in. Oh, wait. What did I just That's what she said. <laughs> All right. We're out of here, guys. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go, Pat, go. The power sweep. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Double tackle. Defensive end. If he's over, if he's back, he drives down the first man who is inside. Pull back and get him. Take the first man outside the offense. Exactly. No one shows. Go right by this and feel this back. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, Comes all the way around. You look at this play. We'll be trying to get a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley.